Today on Lockdown Red Wings, Detroit loses in Vancouver in what looked like a pretty uninspired hockey game. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's host over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is pretty straightforward. We're going to be recapping this four to one loss to the Vancouver Canucks. And then in segment three, previewing the game against the Calgary Flames, as this is Friday's episode and that game takes place on Saturday. Scotty, I'd say happy Friday, but. At 12.50 in the morning when we're recording this after Vancouver loss, uh, it's hard to believe that it is a happy Friday. <laughs> well, we do ball, I want to remind everyone. Um, but uh, yeah, man, it's it's almost 1 a.m. And that, that was a three-goal loss. So, um, it wasn't just a three-goal loss. It was like the most boring three-goal loss I think I've ever I've ever seen. That's hyperbole, obviously. But it was it, it felt like a game where nothing happened. Well, I mean, it was it was a relatively low shot total, all things considered, uh, for oh, yeah. both teams. By the end, I don't think either team hit thirty, uh, and if they did, it was you know garbage time stuff because looked like five or seven minutes left in the period. It was like mid twenties for both. Wings um, outshot the Canucks twenty eight to twenty one for the record. Yeah, so there you go. I think it was like twenty four to twenty with literally like five minutes left or something. So. Um, yeah, man, I, this, uh, there, there was a lot that kind of happened, I guess, like between the lines, but as far as, um, you know, we talk about low event hockey, this was a low event hockey game, but there was a lot of, you know, stuff outside of the hockey events that, you know, took place. It was a pretty chippy game. Uh, the Red Wings clearly had let the frustration boil over. I mean, that's like one of my biggest takeaways from this game, to be honest, is um, they the frustration got to the to the wings uh, in this hockey game. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this was uh, you saw sticks being broken left and right, like multiple sticks being you know broken off the the boards or and and the glass and whatnot, and um, you know frustration penalty there at the end from Wallman almost drops the glove with former Red Wing Pew suitor at the end of the game. Uh, I, I mean, that this was, you know, if, if you want to talk about a, a frustration game, this really felt like kind of the epitome of that. Yeah, it really did. I, I feel like because the team understands the the weight of this this road trip this of February, point, man. that yeah. losing back-to-back games against, albeit very tough teams, is probably extremely frustrating. Uh, you know, it looks like Raymond's banged up as he was going to the bench and not playing some or not like skipping shifts, but looked hurt, hunched over on the bench a couple times. Wolman didn't play a lot of ice time in this hockey game either. He actually had the least amount of ice time out of any well, defenseman. He was out there for almost every single goal against. So, yeah, he was getting yanked a lot. Yeah, and I think he also blocked a lot of shots, so I'm not sure how much is play and how much is injury. Well, he also missed at least one shift, I think, with that you know punch to the back of the head that had him uh, bite the dust there for a bit. Yeah, so it's – I don't know. Uh, it, it was – it felt like a game that couldn't end fast enough. I, it felt like at one point I was like, God, this game's got to be almost over. And it was eight minutes left in the second period. Um, 
we are we got to also though to keep with our consistency right we got to list our difference makers in this hockey game uh here in segment one yeah scotty i'm gonna i'm gonna toss it to you what's your first difference or what yeah, is <laughs> i mean i i guess the last two games have been losses uh so i, I guess it's somewhat justifiable but I'm going to go with someone on the opponent's team yet again in uh, in Thatcher Demko being my difference maker. I think that that's pretty self-explanatory. They flashed a stat at one point that I just want to uh, to reiterate here. Um, so what I have is his season home splits. Okay, so his numbers in Vancouver this year. He is 17 and three with a 930. Those are his home stats. 17 and three in 20 games with a 930. That was going into this game. And then they showed in the middle of the game uh, that he is like 9 0 1 or 9 1 0 in his last 10 home games with like a 940. So uh, you're talking about a guy who, when he plays in, I mean, he's having a great year regardless, right? Overall, I think he's got a 918 on the season. Like he's he's been. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's twenty nine and nine with a nine eighteen going into this game on the year, regardless. So this is a, a a Vesna candidate. This is a guy who's been one of the best goalies in the league so far this year. But particularly and specifically in Vancouver, this dude is legitimately maybe the best goalie in hockey when he when he throws the pads on at home. So uh, that is my difference maker and the eye test passed all of those numbers. I just gave you, uh, if you watch this hockey game, that some incredible saves, uh, a lot of, you know, high danger stops the wings, you know, for, for as much as, uh, as you know, you had talked about how, you know, maybe looked uninspiring at times. And, and I talked about the frustration and whatnot. They were two like circus saves away from this being a tie game at one point. I know that's a slippery slope. You can't really play that game, but um, you know, two specifically the Kane uh, kind of where Kane snuck up in the slot, and and that was a crazy one put po- one post to the other save. Uh, and then obviously, I don't remember who shot it, but the one where he, he just grabbed it and cradled it like a baby, grabbed it with the puck with two hands and pulled it off. From the back of the net, I, I mean, both of those, uh, you know, are, you know, there you go, I guess, to, to full circle. Those were the difference makers uh, in that in this game to me. So it wasn't without opportunity. The Wings were leading in shots for a majority of the game. They had their opportunities, but they <laughs> went up against the guy who uh, is in the middle of a pretty special and, and uh, dare I say, historic home stretch here. So. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in terms of difference makers, Thatcher Demko. And I mean, I feel like if you're going to say Thatcher Demko, you can also say because, and the argument I'm going to make is is just because there was such a low event hockey game that goaltending was huge for both sides, right? Um, Thatcher Demko, obviously huge stops. Daniel Sprong, the one you mentioned, Patrick Kane on the power play. Um, on the, on the opposite side, Alex Lyon, who were so used to making big stops, letting a couple softies in this game. And in a game where there's not a lot of action, that's the difference, right? And that's the thing with low event hockey, right? Yeah, right. To your point, like that's that when you when you have that style where you're relying on low event hockey, 
you better have a, a goaltender who is <laughs> who, who you're confident in in that because if neither team is going to have too many opportunities, you need to come out uh, obviously on the on the other side of it. Yeah. So I mean, Thatcher Demko made every save that he had to make, and Alex Lyon couldn't do that today. And I'm not I'm not piling on Alex Lyon. He's been fantastic for the Detroit Red Wings since in January, and you know, obviously Edmonton and Calgary not or Edmonton and Vancouver rather are not great looks back to back but it's just one of those games where that made the difference. So yeah, I agree with that. Your Demko is one of those difference makers. My other, my difference maker I'm going with though, is the power play. Uh, Red Wings had five power play opportunities in this game. They didn't get a shot on net until the fourth power play, no goals. So it's not as if the Red Wings weren't gifted opportunities to score goals. And what's crazy too is Scotty, like you can make the argument that their power play looked freaking fantastic. The first three at least. But the problem is, you can do all the passing you want and possess the puck in the offensive zone all you want, but if you're not getting shots, that doesn't do you any good. And I know that this team thrives on the east to west pass across the crease to try and bury, and it works most of the time. But if you're noticing the Vancouver Canucks are playing that very well, shooting the puck low and off goalies pads to create chaos can also create opportunities. And they just refuse to do that in almost every single power play. Every single power play, they were just trying to do the same thing that's worked for them all year long, granted, but just wasn't working in this game, and you need to be able to adjust. And it wasn't until about the fifth power play that they finally just started shooting the puck and seeing what could happen. But that's how much it's, it's too little too late. You got, th- what, three straight power plays in the second period or something ridiculous like that, or was it the first period, rather? Yeah, first period, you had three power plays, and you didn't get a single shot on net. And you needed a goal badly in the first because you were down 2 nothing because of previously stated kind of soft goaltending, but poor defense, whatever you want to call it. So while Thatcher Demko on the Vancouver Canucks side was their difference maker, the Red Wings power play, which was has been historically good, top, what, 11, I think you said la- yesterday, going into the game, just was not relevant in this game whatsoever. For sure, man. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there are some whiffs, right? Like, that. I remember there was one specifically where uh, Ghost had a had a nice little swing and a miss there on a power play with a shot opportunity, and then somebody else who I I don't remember who the player was was right uh, on their side of the net, just completely swung and missed. There's also some some sloppy passing at times in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, obviously we'll talk I'm sure about Jeff Petrie here. You could argue was a difference maker in the first half, especially of this hockey game. Uh, for all the wrong reasons, but um, but yeah, some some slot even not just even picking on Petrie, whole team had, had a lot of giveaways yeah. in this hockey game as well. Well, I'm yes, and we have to move on here into our into segment two. But you mentioned the passing, and I just wanted to tack on that. I completely agree. The passing in this game at times was like the looks were there, and yeah. I, I think I, I said this to a friend of mine. They have looked like they're in the right spot before the first goal happened, and that kind of knocked Red Wings off their game. They were playing well prior to that turnover and that goal against. Yeah. They were putting themselves in the right position. They were pressuring, but their passes were just off. And there's been a few games like that this year where the passing just hasn't clicked. That's what it means. Like there were sporadic chances and Demko stopped those. But outside of that, it really didn't feel like they were really getting anything going all game long. Yeah. We'll, continue, we'll, we'll continue this whole conversation in segment two, obviously. So stay tuned to Lockdown Red Wings. Got to talk to you guys today about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, 
eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts with your for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, Scotty, you're burning rubber. Not cash. Not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, we're going to move on to notable performers here. Um, There's a lot kind of to talk about in this game in terms of like not necessarily players individually. um, Players, yes, but not just players individually that kind of had, well, notable performances, which is why it's called that. You, You set up going into segment two, though, that you wanted to talk about Petrie. Let's go ahead and do that. Uh, sure. We I was texting you probably in the second period, right after he took that double minor high sticking penalty, mm-hmm. that he might end up being the difference maker in this hockey game because Red Wings at that time down two to one, I believe. If they two were to go nothing. down two no, yeah, two nothing. You're right. Down two nothing. I'm like, if the Red Wings go down three nothing here or four nothing because it's a double minor. Yeah, it was two nothing heading into a four minute. <laughs> Petrie will, would have directly caused three goals against. He right. did not look good uh, in this hockey game. Again, not to say that anyone else. There, there. I have a few shout outs for guys who looked good. Yeah, no um, one really thrived. No um, one really thrived in this game, but Petrie dude, was notably rough. Again, and especially the first half of the game. That first period and a half. I mean. The, the double minor back-to-back, not exactly back-to-back. You know, one was in the first period, one was in the second. But uh, that just being kind of paired with the turnover, the just awful tr- a clearing attempt that ended up uh, costing a goal, not even cl- just, you know, trying to get it out of the zone. And, uh, yeah, that along with that, obviously – uh, the defense, Wallman was out there for most of the goals against uh, when they actually were scored. So I guess, you know, uh, to to be fair to everybody here, it, it wasn't like it was all just Petrie. But as far as, you know, notable plays, uh, he was <laughs> maybe had the two worst plays of the game in the first 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that that turnover, or I know he was under pressure. Minutes. Yeah, I know he was under pressure, but don't just throw it up the boards, like get it off the glass at the very least. If you're going right. to try and clear it, like it was just such a, I've seen pizzas better than that in my beer league. Like that. Oh my goodness. That was really, really, really bad. And yeah. then obviously the, obviously the, the high sticking was completely accidental, but it just like piles on to what has already been a rough game for Petrie. If he makes contact on that puck and doesn't whiff, it's considered follow through and is not a penalty. That's the crazy yeah, part. Right. He doesn't whiff on that. But thankfully, one of my other notable performers bailed him out of being a difference maker, and that's the penalty kill. Penalty kill looked fantastic. Uh, didn't get a lot of action in this game. I believe that was the only penalty. Only penalty in the last two games uh, was that double minor. But the penalty kill has been sneakily one of the best things about their starting season this far, thus far, you don't talk about it a whole lot because everyone's minds on goal scoring, who's scoring goals, who's assisting goals. But the penalty kill has been incredible since the year turned over and it has not stopped. 
four, killed off four straight minutes of five-on-four hockey against the Vancouver Canucks. Michael Rasmussen, repping the A in his hometown, uh, was absolutely stellar on it. The whole penalty kill looked great. Uh, it's all it's just completely clicking. But Michael Rasmussen, just uh, he had a really good game on the penalty kill. I can't really say anyone had a great game offensively or in the offensive zone. Dylan Larkin had some looks. Uh, JT Comfer had five shots. But, I mean, outside that, like... Larkin also had some really bad giveaways. He did. Uh, at the end of, the, like, the fifth power play, instead of just yeah. shooting it in the spot, he tried to pass it to a guy, and it, it went right into the feet of the guy right in front of him. But regardless, if I'm going to sing the praises the pen- of anything, it's the penalty kill, again, being really, really good. For but, sure. I mean, that's that's one thing in a game where it felt like nothing was going well or going their way. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um the penalty kill, man, ever since they had that streak where they didn't give up a penalty kill goal for however many games it was, six or seven games, I want to say. Um, ever since that, they've been kind of on fire and really mm-hmm. clicking on all cylinders. Um, been one of the bright spots of the team for sure. The the PK, for, you know, from the first month and or two months of the season to now has only just, you know, gone up the uh the rankings uh for the nhl so yeah man that's uh that's obviously if you if we want to talk about some other things that went right in this game that's certainly uh one of the few yeah and obviously jt comfer scored the lone goal for the detroit red wings man i'll tell you what again not not a whole lot of uh, of good i thought comfer was at, at least he looked fast like he looked really really fast in this hockey game i don't know he was just buzzing or what, but uh, but he he was skating uh, really really well in this one. Yeah, I mean, he I thought he was generating some offense. Obviously, he scored a goal, but I mean, outside the goal, he was generating yeah, yeah. offense, getting the puck behind the net, especially looking for outlets out front. Uh, he had one off, he rung off, one off the post on the first power play in the game, so it's still not technically a shot because he rang it off the post, right? Uh, but he was this close to giving the Red Wings a one nothing lead, and who knows how it plays out if they get a one nothing lead. I really think that Petrie giveaway really changed the tune of the hockey game from there well, on again, out. And then frustration boiled over, right? You, mm-hmm. have, you have Petrie is clearly frustrated after that play, and then obviously after the high stick as well. But then you have like Raymond really frustrated in the second half of the game in the third period specifically. You have Wallman unbelievably frustrated in the third period of this yep. game, uh, no call when he, you know, thought he got, uh, well, he did get hit in the back of the head there and kind of hit the deck and nothing was called. He got upset, uh, then almost dropped the gloves with Pew Suter. Like, I mean, there, there was a, a lot of, of frustration. Larkin, you know, slammed his stick against the boards at one point uh, or off the glass at one point. A lot of Raymond's, snapped a twig man raymond like what he was really mad yeah he well uh, he got just on a line change was just coming off the ice on a line change and just completely broke a stick man yeah like there was a lot of 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 tension and and a lot of just frustration boiling over on uh, on the wing side tonight yeah i mean a lot of that frustration really felt like it came in the third historically obviously this season the red wings have done a really good job of pushing in the third period, getting back into hockey games. And this is, you know, it's not a sustainable way of winning hockey games, and it didn't work out in this one. I thought that a lot of that frustration came, they just just could not possess the puck in the third period. And defensively, and it was, this was a thing all game long, but I felt as if 
the Vancouver Canucks got the puck in the offensive zone and the Red Wings could not get it back. It was keep away for like, would be a keep away for like two straight minutes before the yeah. Red Wings would get the puck out to the neutral zone, turn it over or cross the blue line, turn it over, come back and do the same thing. They weren't able to pin guys against the boards, initiating board battles to win those. They were just chasing guys the entire time. And the Vancouver Canucks cycled through them like a hot knife through butter. And so when they did get the puck, they would struggle to then break through into the neutral zone, into the offensive zone. And if they did, very rarely did it end up with any sustained pressure that would generate a shot or two shots. I know that they technically outshot them in the third period and in the game, but it really didn't feel like they could generate anything. And that, I think that's where a lot of that frustration came from is they knew that they were down. They knew the gravity that this game had and they just couldn't get anything going. But at the same token, like, I don't know, Scotty, uh, this was an important game, but also because like we talked about it after the loss to Edmonton, the response they would have against Vancouver was going to be important. And they didn't respond that great. Four to one loss, not they just really didn't look like they were gelling in this game. It's but at the same time, are we freaking out yet? No, uh, not for me, at least. Um, I think the rest of the roadie will kind of determine a lot of that. Um, I, I don't know. If you would have told me two weeks ago that we were going to split the series with Vancouver on the year, given Vancouver season, I think I would have taken that 100 times, right? I, I think I would have taken that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. It sucks that this and the Edmonton game are back-to-back. Obviously, every point matters right now. Uh, but I, I'm certainly not freaking out yet. Uh, that's kind of, and we'll talk about Calgary. That's a very, very important hockey game you're about to play on Saturday. Yeah. Let me tell you, we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. But, um, but yeah, I'm I'm not in panic mode yet. But uh, and and like I said, if you would have told me that, you know, you were gonna you were gonna split these last two games with Vancouver being so close together, there, I probably would have taken it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, uh, you know what? I'm going to hold on to my thoughts because it's kind of inherently intertwined with Calgary. Yeah. Uh, we have a, we have some stuff too to talk about from this game that we'll see if that'll carry over to that game against the Flames. What a three thirty game on Saturday! It's a matinee out there, but it's middle. Of the yeah, I think our next Michigan. two are three and four. Yeah, uh, so four o'clock on Saturday and three thirty on President's Day, which is Monday. So matinees out there, but here it's just the middle right. of the afternoon. It's the middle of the day. Uh, so we'll talk about that in segment three of Lockdown Red Wings. How would you like to get to know someone better in an hour than you would in a year? Understanding one another better prevents small misunderstandings from becoming big ongoing fights. After providing more than 20 years of service to small and mid-sized businesses, helping management groups navigate conf conflict and onboarding new employees, Camino is offering a digital seminar for families and couples. Did your Valentine's gift of tickets to the game not go over as well as you had hoped? Get the couples and family online seminar for 25% off for the month of February using the discount code LOCKDOWN. Again, that is discount code LOCKDOWN25% for the rest of the month at www.caminoconsulting.ca or mention LOCKDOWN when, you re when reaching out for a business seminar and receive the first five profiles free. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We're going to roll kind of the remainder of the conversation about Vancouver 
into our preview with Calgary. And I just want to respond. You know, you talked about your concern level. My concern level, if I were to give it a, out of 10, like three. Um, That's pretty low. It's pretty low, but I'll say this. It'll ramp up very quickly if they do not fix the, yeah. the issues that they're having. That's, that's where I'm and, at. I'm, and the I'm, reason these two games in a vacuum do not have me freaking out. It's if the next two games have a similar result that I will start panicking more. Yeah, because you got to look at the context of everything, right? They were incredibly hot, unsustainably hot. I mean, 9-2-2 two, and two in the 10-2-2 two, two when you include the overtime win against Vancouver to start the month of February. Yeah. That was not going to keep continuing. You go to the other side of the continent playing, you know, and then you have to adjust to time zones. You're playing against the best player in hockey and the hottest team in hockey in the Edmonton Oilers. Then you play the best team in the league by points and record in Vancouver Canucks again. Though it like those you could say are scheduled losses. And like you said, to steal one against Vancouver is great. So while I'm like looking at it and going, I mean, it sucks. They didn't play nearly as well as I had hoped. And like we say, if you got if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. My expectation was splitting the road trip. So if they can go and win against Seattle and Calgary, I'll be fine. But the problem becomes because you dropped those two for last those first two games of the road trip, the next two become must wins, especially when you look at where all the other teams fall in the standings. You know, Toronto won again, Tampa won a game. Both those teams pulled another two points ahead. So now you're away, you're behind in the wild card one and third in the Atlantic division. Thankfully, New Jersey lost, so they didn't tie you for points. Pittsburgh won, but there's still several points back. A lot of the teams chasing you lost on Thursday night, so that's that's great for you. So you lost, but you didn't lose any ground in the wild card race, but you lost ground in the divisional race, and that stings. So the winning the next two games to me is really imperative, and you're going to be playing a t- Calgary team that just got pumped by the San Jose Sharks. Philip Zadina, four-point night, two goals, two assists against the uh, Calgary Flames. One, so, two, three, four, baby. For and like, I don't mean to, and that's the biggest thing, right? When we're talking about the Calgary Flames, Scotty, they're the weaker of the Calgary and Seattle, the weaker of the two teams of the four that you have faced, but they're not weak teams. They're still good hockey teams. So these aren't going to be, you're not going to walk into their barn and blow them out and you'll be all is good. Like these are still games that the Red Wings are going to have to perform well in. Like they just, they have to. And now, if they were to lose one or both of these games, I mean, my worry level then skyrockets to like an eight or a nine because this is the same thing that happened last year, albeit it's happening a little earlier this year, right? Last year, that early February is when they got hot and then they fell apart at the end of the month. This year, they got hot through all of January. You can't afford to fall apart. Just like, I, I can't, I'm getting flashbacks. I'm not, I'm at a three right now. But if they lose you all sure? four, no, I am. I am. I'm at a three right now. But I'm saying if they lose all four in the end, then my worry level climbs dramatically. For sure. Yeah. No, I I, I hear you. I, I think uh, you have put yourself in a position where your back is kind of against the wall and you, and you really need to go out there and win these next two games. Uh, and as you said, going into the roadie, you know, split this West Coast road trip. And uh, I think that everyone would kind of calm down a lot more, uh, you know, myself included. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I, I I think you make a great point there. Like there's a big difference between 
a bad hockey team and just a hockey team that's worse than the Canucks and the Oilers. <laughs> there's a there's a big gap between those two sentiments. So, uh, yeah, man, this these are, these are not gimme games. These are still tough teams uh, that are you know kind of in the middle of the pack. Seattle trying to climb back into a wild card spot. Um, yeah, man, I, these are these are, are are very far from just. Uh, you know, like, oh, you know, we, we got the two hard teams out of the way. Now we have to we get to play the two easy ones. That's not the case. They're mm-hmm. um, easier than than two of the best teams is hot in hockey is not easy. So uh, you, you better show up, man. You, you, you Seriously, these are and that was a question I was going to ask you uh, and you kind of answered it there already. But do are these, you know, must win and not even we don't even mm-hmm. have to look ahead at Seattle is Calgary just in a vacuum is that a must win hockey game it, it feels ridiculous saying that with how well they played in January but the, the fact of the matter is is all the teams that you're chasing and or chasing you had great Januaries too so yeah I would yeah they're must win because you have got to keep pace in the wild card race you don't want to slip out of it you don't want to then be having to be the team that climbs in you want to stay ahead and so winning Calgary, then winning Seattle is, is, is must win. I do firmly believe that. And they're going to have, we, we got some updates on some players, obviously. So we found out that Robbie Fabry missed his personal reasons was that he had a daughter. Congratulations to the Fabries. I wonder if she's going to have his eyebrows because he's got <laughs> some crazy eyebrows. Uh, Billy Huso is week to week. They did say Trevor Thompson reported during the Red Wings broadcast. It is a different lower body injury than the one that set him out the first time, which I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but regardless who shows out week to week. And I do wonder because we talked a little about a little bit in the first segment with Alex Lyons back to pack performances. Now, again, he was kind of thrown to the fire, thrown to the wolves in Edmonton. He was backing up that game. So he came in cold. Uh, but you do wonder if because of these two performances that were both lackluster, I mean, the JT Miller goal, obviously the Petrie turnover was awful, right? Awful. And you can't give a shooter like JT Miller all that time and space, but he took that shot from fairly far out and beat Lyon clean. The same thing happened on, I think, Elias Lindholm's first goal. He, that shot came from right across the blue line. And yeah, I know that woman is in front, but that shot came from so far out, you can't get beat. And even I, Larry Murphy mentioned that Lyon wasn't set. So he didn't have the best get, best of games against best of game against Vancouver Canucks either. You wonder if Reimer gets the start in that. And I'm not advocating for it by any means, but it's just a thought that I've had that maybe they give Lyon a night off because maybe they're realizing, okay, maybe we did run him into the ground a little bit. And Huso was supposed to alleviate that, but he got hurt. So what are you supposed to do? But those are the, we got the updates on both those guys going into this game. And last time we tried to predict who would be in net for a game, we were the most wrong. I think you could possibly be right. (laughs) Right. Uh, I don't know. This is a, this this Vancouver, this Vancouver, this Calgary flames team is in a cakewalk, right? I mean, the Red Wings have already beaten them once this season, pretty decisively too, way early on the fourth game. I think it was like five to two, something like that. Uh, They got pretty, pretty good. Good spread out scoring, but no one's really dominating. Nazem Kadri's got 45 and 54. Blake Coleman's got 43 and 54. Uh, Sharon Govich has 36 and 54. And after that, it kind of drops off dramatically. And in that, Markstrom's got a 916 save percentage. That's really what's been keeping them in the wild card hunt in the uh, Western Conference is Markstrom's performance. And it sounds like he's going to get traded. I don't understand what the Calgary Flames are doing. Yeah, I don't know. They've don't been their last like two years need to be studied by scholars because it's been a whirlwind over there. But um, yeah, no, I, I this is a, a team that's pretty middle of the road in most stats, except for their special teams are 
uh, very hit or miss. Uh, they have one of the worst power plays in the NHL, but one of the three best penalty kills in the NHL. So um, you got an interesting dynamic on their special teams there. But yeah, pretty much everything else is is rather uh, middle of the road. Nothing's really bad. Nothing's really at the bottom, again, outside of their power play. And nothing is uh, is uber fantastic either, again, outside of their penalty kills. So it's a winnable game. You certainly, you still have talent on this team, though. You know that for as much as they've, uh, for as much talent as they've lost over the last two years, uh, there is still talent left, and they're still kind of in the thick of things, in the middle of that. Uh, like you said, trying to climb their way up, I guess, in that wild card race. And um, yeah, this is uh, very far from a gimme. Yeah, absolutely. And I do wonder too, speaking of carryover from the Vancouver game, if the line blender is going to come back out because we saw that in the game against Vancouver. We didn't really talk in about Vancouver, it. Vancouver, yeah. Geez, uh, man. got demoted to line two. Demoted is not the right word to use. He yeah. got moved to line two to play with Kane and Comfer. Sprong jumped up to the top line to play with Raymond and Larkin. And Perron got bumped down to the third or fourth line. Uh, they, they mixed everything up. Players yeah. got wingers got just line blendered in there. And they, even the pairs got because of Wallman's play or injury, whatever it was, you know, the pairs saw a bunch of different looks. I saw Sherratt with Wallman. I saw Gosses bear. I'm not sorry. Not Sherratt with Wallman. Sherratt with cider. I saw, uh, Gosses bear. I think it was with cider cider for, a I mean, everyone was cider for a shift or two. It seemed so yeah. I, I'm really curious to see if they, if they mix that up following back to back kind of dud games, I don't know. I it's going to be interesting. Saturday is going to matter, man. Saturday is going to matter, big time. So, uh, any final thoughts? I think we hit kind of hit on everything. No, I think we covered everything we wanted to cover. Yeah, no, we ball. Uh, we ball. We'll be back with a new game, new game, new episodes on new episode on Monday, recapping the game against the Calgary Flames and previewing the game against the Seattle Kraken. I'll, course now i wonder maybe we should wait until after the middle of the afternoon game to put we'll, we'll we'll talk about it so stay tuned either way to a monday episode of lockdown red wings your team every day weirdo